I enjoy reading the comic books. Uh, been reading Funny Paper uh, for a long time. Uh, well, in fact, almost try to every week for, well, since as long as I can remember. <laughs> uh, and I like the sound effects that you have in comic books or uh, in, uh, in the newspaper, uh, the pages there. And they'll write words in an exaggerated way to give the effect of the sound, you know, like boom or crash. Uh, uh, it's great visual sound effects. Uh, of course, now when they invented the comic or the cartoons on TV, well, then now they're making the, the sound as well. Sometimes they'll even have the graphic as well as the sound. But we enjoy that because it gives a sense of what's happening or, or the, uh, the emotion of what's there. Uh, there are people that make their living providing for the sound effects. You know, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, sound, uh, sound like a, a galloping. I can't do that. I'm afraid of. Uh, I'm not that coordinated. But, you know, uh, there are people that make a living doing sound effects to accompany an action to give a greater sense of what's going on. Uh, or in, in a show, a movie, or, or, or TV show, they have the background music that provides the mood, or it sounds scary, and a scene looks scary because of the music that we're hearing, not necessarily because of what's actually happening. Sound effects create an atmosphere uh, that can either make the show, make the comic, uh, or destroy it. Uh, <laughs> So, what would your giving sound like if someone were supplying a sound effect? Uh, like uh, a skinny dollar just screaming, help me, help me, as it's falling into the plate. <laughs> or a great big fat one, you know, jumping, uh, doing a, a cannonball in the water. Uh, if your contribution was a musical instrument, would it sound like a... Uh, a full orchestra, or, or a, a violin, or a drum, uh, or a crash of cymbals? Or would there be no, no music at all? Nothing, just silence. <laughs> or maybe an off-key squeal from, you know, somebody trying to play the violin that doesn't know, you know, it sounds like a squeal. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that would never happen uh, uh, for several reasons. Uh, uh, one, because it's at odds with what the Lord wants. So we're not going to you know, follow each one of you and, and that wouldn't happen. Uh, uh, but in the days of Jesus, as ob- uh, absurd as it sounds, there are actually people that would hire an accompaniment that would... Uh, sound a trumpet when they were about to give their gift because they wanted everybody to see what they were doing uh, actually even though we wouldn't sound a trumpeter uh, as we were putting our check in the contribution uh, it kind of happens in our world today because when a great uh, 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 a very wealthy person is making a significant contribution to some charity it will be all over the newspaper it'll be all over the tvs and people will be talking what this person has done and how much they've given it's kind of like sounding the trumpet 
But if God were making the noise, if God was supplying the sound effect, then what would it sound like? The clashing cymbals are, are the sour note from an out-of-tune violin. Pride can corrupt an awful lot of things. In fact, does again and again. Pride can destroy the spiritual value of a lot of gifts and a lot of services. Pride had turned a lot of what the Pharisees were doing to honor God into show-and-tell religion. And it sounded like a squawking violin, not something sweet and harmonious to God. Uh, They were, in essence, saying, let me show you and tell you just how religious I am. Jesus was not happy with that attitude because Jesus is concerned with the heart in true devotion, not in something that's done just for show. You know, money's not the only thing that we give to God. It's not the only thing that we can utilize when we're doing show and tell. Uh, We give money, yes, and it supports the ministries of the kingdom of God, It gives honor to God, but most ministries in the church require uh, uh, your time and your energy. It requires our giving of ourselves, uh, our heart, our devotion, our, uh, our, our prayers, our time in worship. The time and the love that we give to the people around us our friends and our neighbors, our family, that's a gift to God. And so how is that given? Announcing, see what I'm doing for you? Jesus wants us to practice the right things with the right motives. Matthew 6, verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. You think about it for a moment. Everything we do is before others. We can't do anything other than, well, it's hard to be completely, if we're in the world, if we're participating in the world, everything we do is in front of other people. At least by the person that's benefiting from what we're doing. So Jesus can't be telling us to keep everything a secret, per se. Uh, Any act of kindness is going to be known by those who receive the kindness, by perhaps others that are around them. So Jesus is talking about the way others discover. Do they discover because they see what's happening, because they see the good action, the kindness, the charity, are because we've told them about it. We've bragged about it. That's the difference. Righteousness, improperly motivated, is not really righteous. It's arrogance. It's being a a braggart. And we must be better 
than the Pharisees. We need to do our good deeds. We need to give our gifts. We need to have our piety in such a way that it glorifies God, that it shows a pure motive, a righteous motive, a holy motive. Jesus gave three illustrations to help dramatize this point. Uh, the first is giving of alms. Uh, how you give to the temple charities, how you give to the needy people in the street. Do you brag about it? Do you tell everybody? Or do you just give because the gift is needed? Or the second was in prayers. Do you pray on the street corner so that everybody sees and everybody, oh, that person, is, person must be really righteous he, here, he's praying there. Or public fasting. Well, that's kind of new to us because we don't fast very often, if at all. Uh, so to give properly, we must give without calling attention to what we're doing, to our gift. Jesus would say, don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Well, you know, since they're both connected to the body, that's kind of hard. And the brain is man managing both uh, parts of our body. It's kind of hard for the right hand to not know what the left hand is doing. Verse 2. Thus when you give to the needies, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The Lord uses a hyperbole here, you know, overstates the case so that we'll be sure to understand. Uh, uh, we do not draw attention to our gifts, to our charity, to our donations. Uh, they are not done to be seen, but done to achieve a goal. Of course, I guess if the goal is to get attention, then, then that's the wrong thing. They are done with the goal of ministering, of helping, of making a difference in the lives of others. Uh, I suspect that the seriousness that some take for this passage might be the reason why some people give only in cash. So that nobody can know who put in that $5 bill or, uh, or $100 bill. And that's okay. But that's not the point. The point is, don't brag about what you give. Don't announce it so that others will think you're better than what you are. The Lord's point is not about secrecy. Uh, it's about bragging. It's about intention. Some had gone to great extremes to tell others what they were doing. Jesus here goes to a pretty big extreme to make his point. The right hand shouldn't know what the left hand is doing. Uh, I, that's not limited to just our Sunday contribution. That'd be whether we're helping out a neighbor and buying a new tire, or whether we're buying medicine for a friend, or whether we're making a charitable contribution. Whatever we do, we don't sound the trumpets. Any good deed given or performed in our community 
needs to be done from humility and from sincerity, not from a desire to get public recognition. So before we congratulate ourselves as not being like the Pharisees, we need to ask ourselves a couple of questions. What alms do I give, known or unknown? Have I ever given something to somebody and never told anybody what I did? Have I ever done some act of kindness to someone and not told them who was their benefactor and not told anybody else? Do I give generously and sacrificially? Do I give only what I don't want or need anymore? Do I sound the trumpet? Or am I given to give glory to God? Who gets the glory? God or me? I've never seen anybody pray on a street corner, at least not in the fashion that Jesus uh, has here. I've actually preached on a street corner and prayed on a street corner before. But when it's done in such a way that you're trying to bring attention to yourself, trying to make people think that you are more than what you actually are, then Jesus says, you've already got your reward. Verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen of others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go to your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The goal of these persons that are praying out there in a very showy public way is to be seen as a person of piety. And so they've got their reward. Again, Jesus isn't telling us that we shouldn't pray in public. We've been praying in public already here. Jesus prayed in public. He taught His disciples to pray, and His disciples did pray in public. The Lord's talking about our motive. Would we pray this same prayer if we were entirely alone? If nobody knew that we were praying? Christians are the light of the world. We understand that. Jesus has said that in the Sermon on the Mount, the chapter before this. If we don't pray in public, how's the world going to know how to pray? Personal prayers need to be personal, and public prayers need to be public. So here's some questions for us to ask about our prayers. Not the location is such, but are we praying to be seen? Are we praying because we want to talk to God and we want to help others talk to God? Are our public prayers showy, self-serving? Now, I've heard some people pray in an assembly like this, and their prayer was of such a nature, it looked, well, it was a prayer of egotism. Do I talk about my goodness as if God didn't know? Or do I talk about my needs 
confessing my sins with a contrite heart. Am I spending time with God in prayer someplace else other than before others? Is that the only place I pray? Those are some good questions to ask. And I think if you give a good honest answer, you'll understand what Jesus is saying when he says to not pray to be seen of others. The Lord's third illustration here is about fasting. Now, Jesus assumes we're going to fast. I don't know how accurate that assumption is today. I don't know how many of us deny ourselves food over much more than uh, two or three hours. We, we're looking for a, a morsel, maybe, maybe six hours for a whole meal. Uh, and done appropriately, fasting helps a person concentrate on his needs and his spiritual need before God, creating a personal devotion and a commitment. We don't have to sacrifice hardly it at all, but it's when we sacrifice, give something of real need and do without, that we can grow closer to God. Maybe that's part of our lack of piety today. And we don't sacrifice anything. Food, money, clothes. We have more than we need in all of those things. So going without a meal a time or two during the day might be one way that we can feel need and draw closer to God. But that can be very self-serving, as apparently the Pharisees had begun to serve themselves with their sacrifice. Verse 16, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Sometimes today people will fast during certain parts of the year and they'll put ashes on their face. Wash your face. Serve your God in secret or fast in secret that your Father knows. The Pharisees had gotten to a spot where they were using fasting as a way to display their holiness, their piety, their devotion. See, I'm I'm committed to God. I don't know what they look like, if they wore sackcloth or or if they uh, uh, left their hair uncombed, what they did. But they made their appearance display the fact that they were fasting. But that public display destroyed the sacrifice they were going through. It no longer became a sacrifice. It was payment for the impression that they were making with others. 
Jesus said, if you want your praise from men, okay, <laughs> do that. But if you want your praise from God, don't make a display of your devotion to God. Too few of us are seeking devotion, self-discipline. I don't know if any of us fast, not regularly anyhow. And I don't need to know. It's the thing between ourselves and God. But my sense is that very few of us have a sense of urgency, have a sense of great need. And so we don't go to God in earnest urgent prayer. We don't sacrifice our, uh, deny ourselves to display to God the sincerity of our request. We just, it, we don't have that sense of need. So, we don't fast. Sometimes I wonder, would it be better if we were showy about our fasting? <laughs> then we would at least be fasting. You see, egos have gotten in the way of righteousness since, well, forever. It's very hard for me to put myself in second place. Much less third. And put others around me in second place. And put Jesus in first place. I want to rule my life. I want to be my own God. I want to, I want every, I'm the center of my world. I don't think I'm that different from any of the rest of us. It's hard to put Christ on the throne above myself. It's hard for me to say, Jesus, you're first. I'm second, third, fourth. <laughs> we work hard at being pleasing to the Lord. And just when we think, well, we've done a really good job, <laughs> that's when we realize, wait a minute, we've, we've messed up. Because pride has gotten in our way. Prophet Isaiah had a word for us. The beginning of his letter, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 13. Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of the convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and, uh, I, I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the orphan, uh, widow's case. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They are red like crimson. They shall become like wool. God didn't want the fasting or the praying or the worship or the giving from those Israelites then because their lives were filled with impurity, with unrighteousness, with sin, with injustice. And so he says, change your heart. Then come to me in prayer. Change your heart. Then come to me in devotion. Change your heart. Then come to me and offer your sacrifices in worship. 
if you want your worship to accepted, to be accepted, first cease evil, do good. If you want your worship to be pleasing to me, do good. Seek justice, correct oppression. If you really want to be my children, give justice to these widows and the fatherless. Humble yourselves before me. See your own sin and repent. Then after you're righteous on the inside, now your good works will really be good. They will have a real spiritual meaning. Your sacrifice will really be a sacrifice. Your worship will truly praise my name. Bring to me a pure heart first. Then your good deeds have meaning. Then they are really worship. So this is the message to kingdom people today. When Jesus began the Sermon on the Mount... We looked at that back during the summer. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. He talked about the humble heart before God. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There is a direct correlation between The value of God in our heart and the value of our worship. If our devotion to God is not strong, then our worship to God, even if we're doing all the right things and saying all the right things, it's not any more valuable than devotion that, than the devotion in our heart. We can try to take Jesus very literally and not let our right hand know what our left hand is doing. And we can pray in our closets, but we can still miss the point. The point is God wants us to serve from a pure heart, not one that seeks to Bring attention to itself. Not from egotism, not from pride, but from humility. We don't fast so that our friends or neighbors or family see us and say, Oh, he's so pious or he's so conscientious, he, he's going with that food. But to seek a closer position with God from a contrite heart. And I guess then that begs the question, does the Lord, what does Jesus think about our hearts? I don't know what he thinks about yours. I, I hope I know what he thinks about mine. Ask yourself that. What does God think about my heart? When, if God, if God if, if, what sound is my heart making? <laughs> and not the bump, bump. But is it going crash, boom? Is it an off-key, out-of-tune violin? What sound does God hear? 
when I give my sacrifice? Where's my heart? Most of us here have given our heart to God. Most of us here today have said sometime in the past, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son. We've made that confession. We've decided to live for Him, turn from sin, live for Him. And we've been buried with Him in baptism for the remission of our sins. You know, if you look in Scripture, every single incident of someone becoming a Christian, they confess their belief that Jesus is the Christ first. They made that resolve. I'm going to live for Jesus. And they told people about that. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. And then they were baptized and by immersion. That's what the word means, immerse. They were baptized into Christ for the remission of those sins. If you're here today and you've not done that, then make your heart true to God. Follow up on the sentiment that's in your heart. Be obedient to the Lord and do what He's told you to do. We would that all of us could say, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. Yes, Lord, I believe that salvation is only in your name. Yes, Lord, I believe that you reign on high. And yes, Lord, I want to be buried with you in baptism for the remission of my sins. If you've not done that, this morning you can. Everything is ready. You can be baptized into Christ today. Let's be standing. If you want to pray, we'll pray with you here to help you to, to strengthen your heart. If you want to be baptized, there's towels. There's everything is ready. You can be baptized into Christ this morning. We encourage you to respond while we praise God in song.